This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. And we do appreciate those of you who are watching at this time. It's very likely we have some watching, someone watching today for the very first time, and we want to thank you for tuning in. And especially are we grateful for those who watch every time we come on the air. Stay tuned today as we'll be discussing the greatness of God. I hope that you will stay tuned today. Now, we want to mention the free Bible correspondence course that we uh, provide. We would like for you to receive this course and that you might know more about it and how to receive it. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'd like to read now from Psalms 145. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I'll bless your name forever and ever. Every day will I bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. At the funeral of King Louis XIV of France, when the mourners came into the chapel, they noticed that it was dark with the exception of a lone candle that was burning up near the front. And when the minister stood to begin the funeral service, he reached over to that lone candle and he snuffed it out. And he said, God only is great. And our God is a great God. According to Isaiah 55, God's ways and thoughts are superior to our ways and thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are His ways and our ways and His thoughts than our thoughts. In Job, this 16th chapter in verse 7, the Bible says, Can you not by searching find out God? And there's an answer to that. No. An individual could search and never really know all there is to know about God. For example, in Romans, the 11th chapter in verse 33, Paul wrote of the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. And then he says, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You'll never be able to find out all there is to know 
about God. In Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 3, Moses wrote, Ascribe greatness unto our God. Yes, our God is a great God. And he is not one God among many gods. He is the God, the only God, the God in whom we live, move, and have our being. In Ephesians 4 and 6, Paul said, There is one God who is above all and through all and in you all. One God, and he is great. The Bible declares the greatness of God. Look in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 45. The great God has made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. The great God. Look in Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 6. Great is the Holy One of Israel. He is great. Then look in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17. I, ah, Lord God, behold, you made the heaven and the earth by your great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing, nothing too hard for you. He is such a great God that Jeremiah said there isn't anything too hard for him. Back in the 18th chapter of Genesis, the question is asked there, is anything too hard for the Lord? And now the answer is, found in Jeremiah 32, 17, there's nothing that is too hard for the Lord. And then look in Psalms, the 48th chapter in verse 1. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. When we think about how great He truly is, it should cause all heaven and earth to fall down before Him and to praise Him and adore Him. Then look in Psalms chapter 95 and verse 3. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. You know, men have their little gods. And men have those things that they worship as a god. And I'm I would spell that kind of a god with a little g. But there is one God, and he is a great God who is above all gods. God is great in his power. In Ephesians, the first chapter, in verse 19, there Paul wrote, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Then in Psalms, the 66th chapter, and in verse number 2, through the greatness of your power shall your enemies submit themselves unto you. And one day... All of the enemies that God has and or has ever had or will ever have will submit themselves unto him. He is great in his power. He is great in his goodness. In Psalms, the 31st chapter, in verse 19, 
Oh, how great is your goodness. God is so great in his goodness. Isn't he a good God? Oh, he has been so good to us all. How could a person not want to serve the God who is great in his goodness? But he's also great in his anger. In Numbers chapter 11 and verse number 10, the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. His anger was kindled greatly. You see, God can be great in his anger. According to Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 37, he is great in his beauty. How great is your beauty. Then he's great in his mercy. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 8, or rather verse 18, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy. And then finally, he's great in his kindness. Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 17, your God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. Our God is a great God. So you see the reason I said that the Bible declares the greatness of God? Not, not only does the Bible tell us that God is great, the universe above declares the greatness of God. Listen to Psalms chapter 19 and verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. When we look at the universe around us, when we look at all things that grow upon the face of this earth and all things that live on the face of this earth, all things that have been made upon the face of this earth, they are stamped with the name of God on them. I remember being in, on the island of Trinidad preaching a number of years ago. And I thought while I was there, I would find something to take back as a souvenir to my wife. So I went in a little shop and they had all kinds of little trinkets in there. And, and uh, I thought, well, I'll find something in, in here that she may like. And I spotted one thing, and I picked it up, and I began to look at it. I thought, you know, my wife will really like this. And I can tell her that I got this and brought it to her from Trinidad, from the island of Trinidad. And then I turned it over, and I looked at the bottom of it, and it said on the bottom of it, Avon. I didn't really think my wife would be too impressed when she found out that I was bringing her a souvenir from Trinidad, and it was made by Avon. Well, we have the name of God stamped on us, made by God. The universe has a name stamped on it, made by God. The heavens declare the glory of God. In Romans, the first chapter, in verse 20, the Bible says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they're without excuse. There isn't any excuse for an individual 
denying the existence of God because everything that exists in our world and the heavens above tells us there was a master builder, a master architect, a master designer, and that person is God. Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 tells us the very same thing. Every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. Everything that exists has a cause. There's something that caused it to be. We exist, therefore something is. But something does not come from nothing. Can you imagine a time in the history of the world when there was absolutely nothing? Well, that, that it would be ridiculous. We exist, therefore something is. But something does not come from nothing. Therefore, something has always been. Now, what is that something that has always existed? Is it mind or is it matter? Is it intelligence or is it some uh, type of matter that's been eternal? I have on my wrist a wristwatch. Suppose I were to tell you that the way that I got this wristwatch is that one day I was sitting here at this desk in my office and I was studying the Bible, and that there was a paper clip on my desk, and all of a sudden, that paper clip began to go through some kind of a change, and it evolved into that wristwatch. Well, you say, Brother Lambert, if you believe that, I'm not going to be watching you any longer on getting to know your Bible. Because you know that's not true. I, I, I know that's not true. But that makes just about as much sense as to suggest that eons ago there was maybe some kind of a, a little spark of life or some, some uh, inanimate piece of object somewhere that began to evolve and began to change. And so here I am now sitting behind my desk as a result of something that happened as an accident many, 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 many years ago. Well, the truth is, everything that has design about it has a designer. Every house is built by somebody, and the one who built all things that exist is God. And there is so much design in the universe that we would have to be blind not to see that there is a designer. For example... Think about the vastness of the universe. Someone has suggested that if you were to bore a hole in the sun, that the sun is so big that you could put 1,200,000 earths inside the sun and that you could put 4,900,000 moons inside the sun. The sun is 93 million miles away from the earth. Someone figured that if you were to travel at the rate of 60 miles an hour, it would only take you 177 years to get to the sun. And that's a, that is a, just the tip of the iceberg when we began to think about the universe. 
The fact is, if the sun were farther away from the earth than it is, we would freeze to death. If it were closer to the earth than it is, we would burn up. God saw to it that the sun was put in the right position in the heavens. That is no accident. So the universe declares to us that there is a master designer and we are indebted to the Bible to tell us that that master designer is God. In Psalms, the 95th chapter in verse 6, the Bible says, Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. And if we could only realize how great He is, all men would bow down before Him. So the Bible declares the greatness of God. The universe declares the greatness of God. But also the human body declares the greatness of God. You think about the, the different systems that make up the body. That there is the cellular system in the human body. I read in one place that there are five trillion cells in the body, and each one of those cells has a nucleus, and that each nucleus contains DNA, and that there, there is enough DNA in one adult that if you were able to stretch it out, it would be over five billion miles long. That absolutely is astounding. Think about the human eye. The human eye is nothing more than a camera inside your head. And it is uh, protected by your eyebrows, your eyelashes. God designed it that way. It's not an accident. Think about you have two ears with which to hear two eyes with which to see. You have one mouth with which to speak, with which, with, with which to eat. God designed the body in a marvelous way. As a matter of fact, that the psalmist in Psalms 139, verse 14 said that he was fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, the very makeup of the human body declares the greatness of God. You think about the human heart, which is nothing more than a pump that is inside your chest. And because of that pump inside your chest that is causing the blood to flow through your body, you're able to live. Yes, the body of man is one of the greatest marbles that has ever been made. You think about the human brain. You see, man did not invent the computer. God did. That is that thing that we call the human brain is nothing more than a computer that can store information and sometimes we can recall it. I have noted that once we again began to get a little older that it's a little bit more difficult sometimes to recall that information that has been stored there. But we have a lot of things on that hard drive that called our brain. God made it that way. Your body has been fearfully, wonderfully made by the great God. So the Bible declares His greatness. The universe declares His greatness. And the human body declares the greatness of God. But the greatness of God is also declared by the cross of Jesus Christ. 
I want you to try to picture, if you can, Jesus on the cross. And while he was hanging on that cross, Jesus Christ had nails in his hands. He had nails in his feet. He had a crown of thorns upon his head. See him suspended upon that cross and hear him crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then finally, we hear him say, It is finished. It is finished. And his work of redeeming man is finished. When we think about the cross of Jesus Christ, it tells us how great our God really is. Our God is great in his mercy. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. But God who is great in mercy with his great love wherewith he loved us. He's great in his mercy. If we are saved, it will be by the mercy of God. Titus 3 and verse 5 says, Not according by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, his mercy, he saved us. We're saved by God's mercy. I heard a man tell the story once, and of course it was just a little fictitious story to make a point about God's mercy. That, that a man died and he came to the gates of heaven and he was told that to get into heaven that he would have to have 100 points. And he says, well, you know, I, I became a Christian and I attended all the services of the church and, and I read my Bible and I prayed and I, I tried to live right and set a good example before other people and I, I invited people to come to worship the Lord and I, I tried to lead my neighbors to Christ and I, I tried to be good in the community and good to my family. Now, how many points is all of that worth? And he was told... That's worth one point. And in this story, the man then said, then I'll just have to throw myself on the mercy of the court. And he was told that's worth 99 points. What you and I really need is the mercy of God, and God is great in his mercy. He, he is great in his love. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5. And verse number 8. He is such a great God. And when we think about the cross, it tells us about his mercy. It tells us about his love. And God is also great in, in his truth. And G he has given us the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is truth. And what Jesus says is truth. In John 8, 32, Jesus said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He's given us truth. That's what the cross tells us. In John 17, 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them with thy word. Thy word is truth. Whatever God says in this book is truth, and he gave Jesus who is truth. And everything Jesus says is truth. That's the reason when I read such passages as Luke 13 and 3, I tell you, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. I know that's the truth. 
Why do I know that's the truth? Because Jesus said it. When I read passages like Mark 16 and 16, John 3 and 5, where Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, or except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. I know that's the truth. Well, why do I know that that's the truth? It's be- I know it's the truth because Jesus said it. And when Jesus said it, it is the truth. Now, sometimes tr- people try to pervert the truth. But what I'm trying to get us to see is that the greatness of God is seen in the de- dying of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. But the greatness of God is also seen in the resurrection of, of our Lord. He was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Romans 1, 4. You can go to the tomb of some people who have lived, and guess what? They're still in those tombs. But if you were to go to the tomb of Jesus, He is not there. In the language of Matthew 28 and 6, He is risen. Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. His, God's greatness was seen when he raised Jesus from the dead. Ephesians 1.19, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. But the greatness of God also is seen in what he can do for us. Hebrews 7 and 25 tells us that he's able to save to the uttermost all of them that come unto God by him. He is able to save us. And he wants to save us. That's the reason he sent Jesus. And God is able to save sinners of all kinds. Now we're all sinners. And we all can be saved. Someone says, Brother Lambert, you don't know me. You don't know how bad I've been. I've been a wicked man. I've been a wicked woman. But he came to save wicked people. He he came to save ungodly people. He came to save good moral people, immoral people. He even came to save people that were murderers, people that were, were drunkards, people that were dope addicts. He can save you, and you can break that bondage of sin through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would believe on him with all of your heart in keeping with John 8, 24, if you would repent of your sins because Jesus taught that in Luke 13 and 3, if you would confess your faith in Jesus because he wants us to in Matthew 10, 32, 33, if you would be baptized in order to be saved and to put you into Jesus Christ, Mark 16, 16, Galatians 3, 27, if you would do that and live a faithful Christian life, God will save your soul. Yes, God. He is able to save us. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.